What are the traits of a good leader? Find out next, right here on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place God will dwell with man. Sit behind and the crippled stand, singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. Leadership is influence. We all have it to some degree, but are we a good influence? No doubt we all want to be, and today's Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray will help. 1 Timothy chapter 3 gives the qualifications for leaders in the church. We'll discover these traits are not only for leaders, but they're for every growing believer. What are they? Surprisingly, it's not ability, but character God seems to be concerned with. From the pulpit of the Packing House Christian Fellowship, here in Redlands, Pastor Ed Ray. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Paul writes, This is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of an overseer or bishop, he desires a good work. The overseer must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also be first tested, then let them serve as deacons being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Choosing servant leaders, choosing leaders. This speaks of two different areas, but don't think of bishops in a denominational sense, as it said, or deacons in a denominational sense. It's really anyone who would oversee, whether it's a kindergarten class, junior hires, women's home study, whatever, are overseers, and the deacons are literally servants. And since Jesus told us to be servants, all these things apply to us. It is our great privilege to choose leaders. Churches have the same responsibility to choose leaders in a certain way. We don't start a new home Bible study without thinking about who will lead it. In the fall, when the woman's study and the men's study started again, we thought about the leadership, whether it's, again, Sunday school classes, kids' ministry. Those are all considered leaders, overseers. And so, as happens very often in most churches, these decisions are made based on what? In other words, what should we look for in someone who oversees? Now, the question of leadership was one very much in the forefront of Paul's mind when he wrote this letter to Timothy. Timothy, you'll remember, was a young pastor, his first pastorate in a very difficult city. The city of Ephesus was kind of like the San Francisco 
of our day. It was wild and woolly. It had one of the seven wonders of the world, the Temple of Diana, and uh, there was a very difficult, amoral, unethical sort of society living there. So God sends believers there to preach the gospel, and as is often the case in very black areas, dark areas, God raised up this church. Paul, who had been there, asked Timothy to go and take over this church. Not long after Paul had to write, if you were with us in the first chapter, that Timothy needed to remove two leaders who were evidently leading people astray, teaching heresies, and he asked them to step down. So now, a couple of chapters later, Paul is giving Timothy these guidelines of what someone who leads or is a servant in the church, what they should be like. It's an interesting list in that it's not about skill sets, it's about character. And as we work our way through it, uh, all of us are touched by these character traits. In fact, every maturing Christian should go through this process. It's happening to all of us. That's what a mature believer is. If, even if you're not serving now in any way, God is going to move you in that direction, whether it's here or someplace else, but he wants us all to serve him. So, because of the bad context in Ephesus that these two leaders had not done a good job, despite these recent problems, Paul says that being a leader, choosing to serve, is a noble thing. It's a good thing. And he says, here's the things that you should look for as you replace these guys. Now, the word is translated in this New King James Version as bishop. Overseer is an exact translation. And this deacon, as I said, is a servant. So when you actually put it into the original Greek, it touches every person because all of us are called to serve. That's the reality of becoming a believer, of surrendering your life to God. There's a, a lag time as you grow, but eventually he will give you an opportunity. Oh, you can say no. He doesn't force anyone, but he does give us opportunities that will help us to become everything he wants us to be and give significance to our life and be a world changer. And if you want to stay stuck in the mud, then that's fine. I'm teasing. Okay, come on. All right. Now, a lot of controversy surround these verses because different denominations teach them differently. And so I will probably say something that you disagree with as we work our way through it. I'm doing my best to give it to you flat, just the way the Greek words are used and what they meant in the first century. Not what the words necessarily mean today, what they've become. You know, bishop is something different in the denominational world today than what Paul meant. There was no status with it. It was putting a price on your head when you chose to do that. And it still is in some parts of the world. So there's a lot of controversy here. And you can disagree with me, and that's perfectly fine. And as I've said many times before, just know when we get to heaven, I will be an I told you so. And I... No, my point is, we'll go to heaven whether or not we agree on these. It's whether we agree that Jesus is Lord and died for our sins, right? So, as we do, as we go through the Scripture, 
as I did last week versus I was trying to avoid, I would try to avoid these if we hadn't made a commitment to go through every verse in the Bible. So here we are looking at yet another controversial set of scriptures and keep those cards and letters coming. All right. This breaks up into two parts, overseers, the first seven verses, and then servants 8 through 13 begins with verse 1. Therefore, or this, is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop, overseer, he desires a good work. Part of the difficulty of the office of the overseer is that in Paul's day, that person was in great danger. By the time he wrote this letter, Rome was starting to persecute and would, in the next three or four years after this, begin to persecute Christians openly in the Colosseum in Rome. Nero would do that. So there wasn't a lot of respect and prestige. In fact, there was hardships, contempt from people, and rejection. Phonies would have very little motive to grab that position as some sort of status. It would actually put you in great harm's way. That's still true today in various places. China, the three self-churches that's called the government-approved church is safe. But most people who are experts in that area believe more people go to an underground house church than go to the one that's legal in China. So all those pastors are in danger. That's true in many countries in Africa, certainly true in Muslim countries. In Nepal, a couple of years ago, talked to a pastor who spent more than 20 years in jail for teaching a Bible study. He said he was there till everybody in the prison he knew had left, and then another set came in, and then he was finally released. So it is, in fact, something that is a noble thing, Paul says. It's a noble position, even though it might cost you. It is, in fact, something honorable. That's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, Verse 42, he called his disciples together and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave to all. Definitely counterculture, definitely going against the grain. It is, in fact, few people, I think, grasp that entirely today. The true spiritual leader isn't seeking a title or position, but seeking to serve God. You're listening to Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. He's giving us the biblical perspective on leadership established by Jesus. Now with part two of today's lesson and more on the privilege of being a servant leader and the proper corresponding attitude, here's Pastor Ed. And if in the process God puts you into certain positions, then thank him when it's a one that's positive and thank him when it's one that's negative and he'll continue to use you. Samuel Brennell was a Salvation Army evangelist and he spoke about life this way. One of the outstanding ironies of history is the utter disregard of rank and titles in the final judgment of men. Men pass on each other the final estimate based upon not one iota of the rank or title that he bore or the office that he held, 
but only the quality of his deeds and the character of his mind and heart. So Paul is pointing to that. What we really have here as we begin into it is the list of character traits that every believer should have. Now, the titles are a little confusing. This one, Episcopos, is the one that's translated bishop, overseer. We think it means the same thing as pastor, poime, as we see literally pastor is in Latin. Elder, presbyteros, is a mature one. We think that's all the same word, even though there's three different Greek words, because when Paul writes to Titus, he gives the same sort of information and uh, calls it an elder. So, overseers, as far as the ministry, a feeder is fine as uh, far as the methodology goes. Verse 2, bishop, overseer, verse 2, then must be blameless. Uh-oh. Okay, we're through now. Let's just pray and go home, okay? A husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, and able to teach. I remind you that it is by grace we have been saved. It is a gift of God. It's not according to our good works. This is the result of God giving you salvation, putting His Holy Spirit in your heart, changing you from the inside out, giving you a desire for these things. So, this concept of uh, the overseeing, again, is not skill sets. It's about character traits. Blameless, the Greek word literally means not able to lay a hold on. Not put your finger on something. Doesn't mean perfect. Doesn't mean that you've never done anything wrong. It has everything to do with going to God and asking for forgiveness. And the longer I walk with the Lord, the, the closer I try and get those two events together. When I blow it, I confess it. And that's what God would have us do. He did the work on a cross. All we do is confess. The word literally means to say the same thing God says about what I did. Homo lugeo is the Greek word, and it means homo, the same lugeo that is spoken, the same thing that God speaks. I say it. And then we are back there. Now, what he's saying is God calls people to a place where they have to live a single life. You, you can't live a double life. You can't live with one foot in this world and one foot in the kingdom of God. And, and oh, you can get away with it at first, but the roads separate, you know, two roads, and pretty soon you're stretched out and fall down. So our single life at home, work, business, personal, is living in obedience to God's Word, and when we blow it, we ask for forgiveness, and we try again. And sometimes that goes on quite a few times in one day, let alone in a year. Okay. No condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Hello, are you still with me? That's Romans chapter 8. The husband of one wife, here's a very controversial verse, literally says man of one wife or one woman man. Now, some have tried to say this means that single people can't lead. Uh, of course, if that's what Paul meant, then Paul was disqualifying himself and Jesus. So we're pretty sure that's not what it means. It can't be against remarriage because in chapter 5, we'll get to it, 
Paul is recommending widows to be remarried. So it probably has everything to do with sexual purity, not current marital status. Winston Churchill is a good example of this. Uh, Churchill kind of famously answered a question on this matter. Newspaper reporter asked him, well, if you weren't Winston Churchill and and you could be something else, what would you choose to be? And he said, Lady Churchill's second husband. He was saying that he married the right woman the first time. He knows it now, and if he had an opportunity, he'd do it a second time. He was a one-woman man. He wasn't flirtatious. He wasn't looking for something different. He had made a commitment, and he was faithful to it. That's what this is talking about. Temperate, the word, is translated temperate and discreet. It's actually translated sober a couple of times, but He probably means metaphorically here, he'll deal with wine in a moment, alert, watchful, vigilant, clear-headed, someone who's not given to extremes, reliable. You you know what they're going to do in a certain situation. They're trustworthy. They don't have wide swings of, of mood or actions or vision. You know where they're coming from, and they're not going to be completely different next time you talk to them sort of a thing. Sober-minded, and again, this is circumspect, thoughtful. A person who sees the whole picture, who takes the time to step back and look at everything. Paul said, walk circumspectly as a believer. We're to see things in our world today. We're to be watchmen. We're watchwomen. We're to look and understand the times, like the men of Issachar. They were people who understood the times in which they lived. So God has called us to look at the whole picture. Uh, They've learned to say no to the things they need to say no to and yes to the things they should. Respectable means orderly. A person doesn't leave a chaotic life, uh, embroiled, jumbled lives. So many people live in constant drama. I wouldn't ask for a show of hands, but those of you with teenagers, you're excused. We understand that is something else. But Paul is saying, bring order. If you can't bring order to a classroom, if you can't bring order to your own life, sort of things. Hospitable, interesting word. Philo means love, and xenos means strangers. So literally, in the Greek language, this is a love of strangers. This is often overlooked. Enjoying meeting people, friends and complete strangers. This is so important in a church. It's so important to be a witness, and every once in a while, somebody will say, well, nobody said hi to me. So we got the people out in front that bug you and hand you a bulletin just so you'll know we do appreciate, we're glad that you're here. Whether you come back again or not, and God's worked this into my life. I would have to say I hid out as a scientist in a laboratory, talked to a couple of doctors a day, and that was all I needed <laughs> besides my own family. But God has shown me that and we'll see it a little further as we go along, that he's interested in reaching the whole world. And solitude is a luxury you can no longer afford when you become a Christian. You have to break out of that. You can't afford to be shy. God doesn't allow us to be shy. How can you evangelize? How can you tell people about God if you're paralyzed 
in fear to actually go up and talk to them about religion, right? That whole thing. So, again, I, I'm not condemning anyone. I'm giving you the, here's the bar. And God is saying, here's where I'm taking you. We're all in the process, right? None of us have arrived. God's not through with any of us. As long as you're here and breathing, some of you I'm not sure in the back, but if you're here and breathing this morning, then God's working on you right now. Faith comes by hearing the Word. And so He's nudging us along towards this model that He's given. And if that area in your life, demanding solitude, is something you're very comfortable with, careful. God says you need to be friendly to strangers love strangers, actually, so they can see that you're fond of people as God is fond of people. Hmm. God loves people so much, he came and died so that all can join him in eternity. Able to teach, last one in this section, didaktikos, the Greek means skilled. This is the only skill, you might say, in all of this that's not a character trait, but this is Holy Spirit given. This is a gift of the Spirit, at least enough to tell people about what God did in your life. Now, if you're a new believer, you're not ready to teach through the book of Hebrews yet, all right? But God is taking us through that process. There's always someone that knows less about the Scripture than you do. And God is looking to use us in that. It actually sets our own faith deeper, and he'll say that in a minute. Verse 3, not given to wine. Controversial verse. Peronos means not staying near the wine. <laughs> I thought that's kind of uh, interesting. A living Bible says not being a heavy drinker. Don't know the difference between heavy and light drinker. I just know that there are a lot of people in every church but certainly in ours, Thursday night, we have a new wine meeting with people who are stumbled by alcohol. For many of them, it was decades in their life. And so I try and be very careful and not do that, do anything that would stumble another person watching. And that's really Paul's point here, that if you're teaching high schoolers and then they walk into the pizza parlor and you've got three pitchers in front of you, a brewski, then they might be stumbled by that. And so, what a burden, Pastor. You're putting everybody else's hang-ups on me. I'm not. God is. That's the point here. By the way, Solomon noticed this and said this to his son, Proverbs 31.4. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, his name for his son. It is not for kings to drink wine, for princes to drink intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. They forget to help other people because they're caught up in their own little world. We'll come to that again when we get to the uh, servant's part. Not violent, not a smiter, not given to blows. A believer is supposed to act differently. A challenging set of scriptures we're looking at today on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. But along with the challenge, we can be sure God will give the grace to do it. And when we fall, grace to get up and try again. Now, if you joined us late or you just want to hear this again, go online to thepackinghouse.org. We archive our programs there for you so you can listen anytime you'd like. 
Or you can give us a call for a CD copy at 844-77-GRACE. You know, it takes a team to bring Grow in Grace to you. And we look to our listeners to help make this all possible. We have an exciting resource to tell you about. It's a book titled Eternity in Their Hearts by Don Richardson. In this excellent book, Richardson shows how God has prepared the way for the gospel by setting eternity in the hearts of men and women throughout the ages. We'll send you this special offer with our thanks when you support Grow in Grace today with a gift of any amount. And as you give, you'll be helping many others around the country and around the world to grow in grace as well. Just give us a call, 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Even if you're not in a position to be able to give, we still want to hear from you. Your email would be a great encouragement to Pastor Ed. This lets us know where Grow in Grace is having an impact by God's grace. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. Then join us for the next Grow in Grace as our study of 1 Timothy continues with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place got to dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said let this world know me by your love.